Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh uh-huh. The endearing holiday film, It's a Wonderful Life, is celebrating its 75th anniversary. To my big brother, George, the richest man in town. The movie is timeless. Carolyn Grimes played Zuzu. The 81-year-old still recalls Jimmy Stewart's fatherly affection. He was so gentle, and I really enjoyed A festival is underway in Seneca Falls, New York. Yay! Merry Christmas, Seneca Falls! The town is believed to have inspired the movie's Bedford Falls. We love the movie. We watch it every year. Fans reminisced about the cherished scenes. My favorite scene is when George Bailey is standing on the bridge and praying, saying, I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. The iconic scene was inspired by real-life drama. In 1917, an Italian immigrant died while saving a suicidal woman who jumped from the bridge. Town historian Francis Caracillo says director Frank Capra happened to stop in Seneca Falls for a haircut and asked his barber about the bridge. That inspired Frank Capra to add the scene where George jumps in to save Clarence. If Frank Capra had not stopped in Seneca Falls to get his hair cut, that scene most likely would not have been in its wonderful life. So how did Zuzu get her name anyway? Back in the 1940s, Zuzu's ginger snaps were a tasty treat. I was named after a cookie. The car really did crash. It broke the axle and it damaged this whole side of the car. It's been restored. The film won a special technical award for creating new artificial movie snow. You'd never guess that it was soap. Zuzu and her surviving cast members agree. It's a Wonderful Life's message still resonates today. The movie touches our lives. And if you think about it, each one of us have gone through much tragedy and much hurt, pain, just like George. But we identify with him, and no matter how bad it gets, there's always hope. Need a second pistachio, because, you know, pistachios. <laughs> um. <laughs> the nuts are ornamentation. They're not for... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and crunching on podcasts isn't the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I won't. That was just a bit of a fun. Yes. Philip reminded me a couple times about that, so I thought I'd mess with him a little. She forgot to order the acorns. Mm. Hun, would you get my coffee? I'm in there while I... Okay. Um, it's the water bottle. Yeah. Is there... How much is there? Not much. Okay, he's going to refill my coffee a bit. Um, how are you gentlemen doing? Doing very good. Oh, well, thank you. Good. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Aaron, uh, well, you probably don't. Aaron is a, uh, an avid hiker, and um, I'll pitch for you, Aaron. He likes to add buddies to his hiking repertoire, so if either of you enjoy hiking, 
Mm. Good to know. I've been too busy to hike. <laughs> I have to get back to, uh, I usually walk, but I've been just, I got COVID at the end of uh, July and that wiped me out for about gosh, oh, wow. a, month and a month and a half. And then, uh, and then I just finally got back to getting back to regular life and I just haven't had time to exercise. So after the first year, definitely getting back to walking again. Yeah. 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 Let's, yeah, let's, uh, did uh, Latuna Canyon last night. Oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Was cool. That, that where you had auto the other day that you're like long, no. walking along the edge of a cliff? That was, um, yeah. that was Angel Vista in Newberry Park. Ah. Where I had, where I had the dog. No, oh. last night was in, uh, kind of the Sun Valley area, I guess, between okay. Sun Valley and Burbank, really. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Aaron doesn't really take his grandsons, but he takes his grand dog hiking. His grandsons are a little young yet. All right. Yep. Do you take them ever? Do you? No. No. They're almost ready, but not quite. No. Okay. So, and Aaron, you and you run the uh, do you kind of run the show in regards to the technical side, huh? For their show no, or not? This is Phil's oh. technical. Oh no, Aaron. Oh, gotcha. Co-host. I'm a, I'm a guest. Oh, very I'm, cool. Oh, I'm good. A, I'm a sometime co-host. Oh, good, yes. good. Okay. Frequent. He's our frequent fire co-host and guest. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, well, it's great that the fact that you uh, work in the industry that's really cool. So you'll connect with what what Reinhard and I are doing. Yeah, I, I love that qualified. cabinet behind you, Reinhardt. That is beautiful. Oh yeah, that was my uh, my great grandfather made that um, in oh, Germany. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Okay. So, uh, give me just a moment. Sure. Hello again, listeners. Welcome to Yaaha uh-huh with Lisa and Phil. This week, we're talking about a special new book, which we were both able to read about something called The Greatest Gift. And we'll let you find out as the episode unfurls. Uh, with us today is Doug Stebbleton. Did I say that correctly? That's correct. Yeah. And Reinhard Denke. Um, Thank you. And uh, uh, of course, our frequent flyer co-host and guest, Aaron from California. Greetings. Aaron. And yeah, I also uh, managed to read It's a Wonderful Time before the pilot. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I yep. yeah, it was good. Um, what I found out is on Kindle, there's this thing where um, you can pull down with two fingers as long as you turn it on and you, there's something you turn on in your settings. That's my husband's job. Um, and once you do that, you can pull down the thing and it will, the, there'll be like a computer voice that'll read the book to you. So I'm able to read more Kindle books now, which is great. Wow. That's amazing. They're cheaper than Audible. Right. Mind you, it mispronounces things. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's kind of funny, but yeah. if you get used to that, it's like, uh, what is it? Um, I don't know. What was one of the things that really re- mispronounced? Oh, uh, uh, like on the, this one, like it would, it would read off the numbers of the pages for one. Well, thing, yeah, like that's the dialogue, you know? <laughs> and then sometimes yeah. it'd read the header. Like if there was a header mm-hmm. at the top, that it, yeah. it would read that off, and then it pr- right. mispronounce something. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. But still, sounds like the sounds like the Apple Maps voice. Yeah, they always get things wrong. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for instance, in Cincinnati, we have this road that we call 
Reading Road, and it's spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G. Well, I'll give you an example straight from your book. Uh -huh. Yeah. Every, not every time, but periodically, when Evan would call his friend Coop, yeah, he would read it off as cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And wow. actually, I misunderstood it and thought his name was cooperative. Or that he was a cooperative. Like oh, maybe, wow. well, no. I thought his name was cooperative and that maybe his parents named him that. His actually last, yeah, his last name is actually Cooper, right. uh, William Cooper, but uh, Coop was his nickname. So that's what he gets called right. throughout the book. Right. And she yeah. does call him cooperative quite a bit. <laughs> in voice. And it does have kind of a, a, a robotic female feel to it. Yeah, I bet. But for people that don't know about that, find out about that because it's really cool. If you enjoy, I like audiobooks while I'm working. Yep. Yeah, because I do a kind of a data entry. Well, it's a review thing. I'm an analyst. Yeah. Yeah. That's great that you can listen to stuff. Right, exactly. We and should, I'm not uh, really like a super music person. But let's go ahead and get into our um, our subject today. Yeah, I, we should say that this mm -hmm. book revolves around a very famous movie. And I'll mm -hmm. let Doug um, reveal what movie that is. Mm -hmm. Kind of giveaway in the title, but... Well, okay, sure. Um, yeah, the, the name of the book's called It's a Wonderful Life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a takeoff of the very famous. The book says uh, It's a Wonderful Time. Well, did, I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. See, I get those mixed up. Oh, yeah, the name okay. of the, the title of the book yeah. is It's a Wonderful Time. And uh -huh. it's an homage to the movie It's a Wonderful Life, which happens mm -hmm. to be my favorite movie and a lot of people's favorite movie. And yeah, um, yeah it deals with uh, a time traveler going back to 1946 Hollywood and helping the movie get made basically the way that we know it today. That's in a nutshell. Uh, but yeah, it's a wonderful time and, and it's a time travel film. So the word time definitely works in the title. And uh, it was originally from a script and it was, the script was actually called that I had co-written called wonderful time. But for the book, we decided to call it. It's a wonderful time to even get closer mm -hmm. to the uh, original title of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And I like the poster that goes with it. Behind Thanks. You. Yeah, yeah, I had, that's the book poster. I had that blown up. I had that blown up and put in a frame. Just uh, I thought it'd be good for yeah for these kind of podcasts. Nice. Just a good visual, you know. Yeah, it's a one sheet basically. Yeah, and then and then I have the one sheet here of the original. Uh, it's Wonderful Life movie. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, the inspiration. Nice. Buffalo this. gals are dancing over there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and when I just want to say thank you guys for taking the time to read the book because, oh, yeah. you know, a, a lot of people are just so busy on these shows and, and they don't mm -hmm. have time. Sometimes they skim the book, maybe read a little chapter, or just get a vibe, or, or they just read the press stuff that I send them. But the fact that you guys read the whole book is really impressive, and I just want to say thanks for doing that. And if, they, if they only read the prologue, it could be misleading, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, this is not, you know, time travel and science fiction. I grouse about that to Lisa. And I think Aaron even knows that I don't normally kind of dive into that. Mm -hmm. But I liked it because specifically because it went back to a time that has always uh, fascinated, fascinated me. It's been yeah. a lot of time in mm -hmm. the 1940s. Yeah, 1946 to be exact. And, and post-war America comes off, especially in the book, as a, a kinder, gentler place in a way. Um, yeah, uh, and, yeah, and especially I was going to say that they assume are returning from the war. Yeah, and I was going to say Reinhardt is just a, a just knows that time period so well. So Reinhardt, maybe you can start off just kind of talking about yeah, post-war Hollywood, nineteen forty-six. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you you know, everyone's coming home. 
Mm-hmm. And the war had been going on, you know, four years. Uh, yeah. Well, not quite, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and well, it had been going on six years in Europe, but for the United States, it was really um, almost four. And mm-hmm. um, uh, everybody, and, and there, there was a jubilation with coming home. And at the same time, there was an exhaustion. And I, I, I think that's what we were trying to, uh, there was an exhaustion and, and the same thing, at the same time, everyone's trying to rebuild their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we tried to do with the tow truck driver, you know, who had been on the uh, Nevada and Pearl Harbor. We yeah. did it with the, um, with the preacher who was missing an arm. Yeah. You know, everybody's coming back scarred from that experience and, um, and trying to carry on. And it, but it's a completely different world now. That they're, yeah. that they're that they're ushering us into, and the same thing is true of Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart. You know, both were suffering to varying degrees of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capra was there when they liberated Dachau, from you know all accounts, and filmed it. And of course, Jimmy Stewart was in the Eighth Air Force over Germany. Right. And uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that you know our our bomber crews. I think it was a 40 50 percent loss rate. Wow! Mm-hmm. wow. Terrible. Yeah. Remember, yeah, that's huge. Books uh, Stewart talks about uh, when he goes up on a raid, it, you lose at least one man, if not more, every time. So um, that was wow. Well, so well, and uh, well, well, there was twelve guys in a crew, so probably twelve guys at a time. Because if a ship, if a plane went down, they probably lost all twelve if they didn't get out. So right, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it was. They, a, did, they didn't know what if they went down over German territory. Or occupied territory. Yeah, that was not good. No. Well, the, the, the chances of if you survive the, the parachute, yeah. which a lot of them didn't, um, apparently the chances if you, you landed in Germany, you had about a, I think about a 90% chance of survival. Mm-hmm. If you land in Japan, 50-50. Okay. Right. Now, mm-hmm. what, what was it about the parachute that they didn't survive? Sometimes they didn't open. <laughs> Sometimes the, uh, the the crew members weren't trained. Uh, I read some horrific story about um, one of the pilots saw a, a plane break in half, and he saw that the uh, one of the gunners was trying to put it on, and then the slipstream. You know, he went in the slipstream, and it just it ripped out of his hands. Um, wow! And then, of course, you know those conical shoots back then. You're going to land anywhere. You can yeah. land in power lines. You can land at a lake. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of those guys that jumped out were wounded and they probably didn't survive the fall down because they were bombing at 25,000 feet. Okay. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of oxygen up there. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. Hmm. So wow. both of you um, are knowledgeable and have worked on things about the Second World War. So do you collaborate on other things or is, it, is this basically just a writing um, collaboration? Well, this is our, our first project together, this book. Um, we've been, Reinhardt and I have been friends for maybe three or four years, not too long, but we have a mutual friend named Michael Cummings who introduced us, who I've known for about 11 years. And mm-hmm. how long have you known Michael, uh, Reinhard? Oh, uh, since 2014. I'm okay, right. so yeah, so still got seven years. So yeah, and Michael just said, hey, you know, you guys, I want to introduce you guys. I think you have a lot in common. And, um, and that was the idea. So we had coffee one day and and uh, Reinhardt had read my read my original script, Wonderful Time, and Michael had read it. So 
he gave it Reinhard wanted to read it. And then I got a couple of scripts from Reinhard and I was blown away. How, well, Reinhard really liked my time travel script and I really loved the two scripts that he gave me. And I realized what a great writer he was. And so that's kind of how we met. And then when I was putting this into a book, I had a writer that I was working with, things were working out and I was trying to figure out who I'd like to bring on. And then I thought of Reinhard and I thought Reinhard would be perfect because he knows this era uh, mm -hmm. so well. So that's kind of how we got together. And yeah, we, we will collaborate on more books for this series particularly. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so, and, and I enjoy working with him and I think he enjoys working with me. So we, and I'm really happy how the first book turned out. Very happy. Yeah. How much of the rest of the series is written or sketched out so far? Um, well, we know what the second book's going to be about and maybe the third, um, but that's about as far as we, we've gotten. But, you know, it's, it's about uh, Evan and Coop uh, going back into Hollywood history or maybe forward, but definitely back. And we have just so many iconic films we can pick from to be part of or people. So we, we uh, yeah, we, we just have a big palette to pick from. So we're, uh, but we're mm -hmm. taking it one step at a time. Happy. So yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, we were wondering if it was going to be more of a thing of protecting It's a Wonderful Life uh, going back and forward, or if it would involve other movies. So you've just answered that question. Or Yay. does the prologue take place in a later book? Uh, uh, no. Yeah, in, in the next book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, we just got back from Los Angeles where yeah. we our friend Aaron. Yeah. And uh, Aaron, Aaron is a wonderful tour guide. If anybody, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so we drove very generous Hollywood with his time Boulevard and Melrose and we saw the Hollywood sign. And I, you know, I really enjoyed that. This is areas that are real familiar to mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, I got a game called uh, LA Noir that I've got to fire up and play because it's a rock star game. We drive around Hollywood. So I want to, oh. I want to do that. And I haven't well, done that it's since a, back, but I want yeah, to. It's, it's it's uh it does have that kind of rock star thing but it's a detective thing too well yeah it's it's in the it's 40s a murder mystery yeah it's a post set in war the 40s. So, are the streets yeah. like realistic and stuff is that why yeah um, well it's, it's somewhat, pretty good somewhat. pretty good you know, it's, it's older right but, right uh, but it's supposed to be yeah well so i asked there and i said mm -hmm. you know the 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 intersection yeah depicted as the portal in the book i was like well did we drive through that intersection that day or did we come close to it or and uh, we um i think we went up barham to lake hollywood mm -hmm. i don't think we actually did the lake ridge but it uh it is just like south of uh what's that wonder view or something like that wonder yeah i mean it, it's still there it's literally when yeah, you come out right. of hollywood if you just want to stay if you just stay on kwanga which will take you up to barham uh there's a lake view place is the first one and then the next one is lake Re Re lake i'm sorry lake Re lake ridge road and that's right. where i vision that's where the pedestrian walkway really was now you know that that was back in 85 when i saw that walkway and it was there for maybe another 15 years and then all of a sudden it's not there anymore they they basically covered it up with dirt and you can't even tell it's there and they did the same thing across but there's a bus there's a bus uh stop there which has probably been there for years going yeah, back probably to the 40s stop. and so there's a bus stop that um uh or at least when they made the the 101 freeway and it's for people to who i guess live on each side so they can go under to get home and stuff so but yeah, yeah. the pedestrian walkway is no longer there but the streets are definitely there still 
when I lived in Hollywood and worked in Woodland Hills, I was taking a bus. Mm. Um, yeah, it was over like near Odin. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, you bet. Is that the bus stop you're talking about? No, the one I'm talking about literally is you 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 oh, you, you, you leave uh, you leave Hollywood and you go up Quanga Boulevard That's and you're moment. running. Yeah, I th that was like the stop after mine, I think, um, when I hit on an Odin, something like that. Yeah, and you run parallel. It runs parallel with the 101 freeway, mm -hmm. and it's uh, maybe a half a mile just outside of uh, by Universal of City, sort of. Yeah, it's, bef it's before Barham for sure. It's about halfway between Hollywood and Barham, and that's where the okay, Lake so, Ridge Road is, yeah. So east yeah. of Barham. Yeah, it's, uh, yes, yes, east of Barham, yep, yep. So it's anyway. So yeah. the Californians on SNL now. Take the 405. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. was that intersection, uh, like, I know you've been, this book has been stirring within you since, like, I think I read 93 or something. That's when I that's when I came up with the idea driving back from uh, the valley one day uh late in the afternoon uh and I would always when I was when I would drive back cuz I, I lived in Hollywood and worked in Hollywood I'd always see those railings off to the left so I knew exactly what they were and I was a pedestrian walkway and just one day I saw them and I just got that idea saying wouldn't it be cool if somebody was getting chased and they went through that tunnel and they came up on the other side 1940s Hollywood. That was the the genesis of it. And uh, yeah, that was a '93, and then it had a long, uh, a long process of uh, a little outline, and then I worked on it here and there. And then in 2005, I finally wrote, co-wrote co the script, and and then um, and then tried to get it placed a few places. Nothing happened. Always got good coverage on it uh, or good mm -hmm. feedback, but nobody wanted to do it because uh, period film and just wasn't what they're looking for. And then two years ago, I thought, you know what? might never get it made as a movie but i could put it out as a book and that was the the start yeah. of that process and that was two years ago and reinhardt came on board right in january of this year and we just uh went through the first draft and made it way better and uh and it came out in october mm -hmm. on amazon and now it's in barnes and noble so yeah yeah it was, it was a great process and, and it, I think was, it would really make a good movie and science fiction period pieces do seem to be having a bit of a resurgence now. So maybe you've got a better shot. Maybe on a streaming service too. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's, I think it's all about timing sometimes in life. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're, 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 we, we got one done and we'll work on the next one. And then, you know, my philosophy has always been you just, just do stuff. And when you do th stuff and you're proactive, things usually will happen. Maybe not yeah. when you want them to, but they eventually happen. You put stuff out there, so. I'm thinking of uh, Hulu did that uh, November twenty second. Yes, three, you know that was uh -huh. uh, that was very popular. Yeah, yeah Reinhardt turned me on to that. Reinhardt is an avid reader. He read the book and then he told me about it, so I watched it. I thought it was excellent. Uh, Reinhardt, yeah, yeah well, you love that, didn't you, Reinhardt? Yeah, I, I I read the book when it came out. I'm a I'm a big Stephen King fan, so yeah, any anything he writes, I'm going to read it. You know, <laughs> yeah. very quickly. Well, we just, yeah, and uh, what is it? I I just watched the movie Cell. I had read the book mm -hmm. many years ago, and uh, I don't know. I don't feel the the movie really did it that much justice. It it, it happens. Um, yeah. um, some of his stories translate beautifully, like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Um, uh, mm -hmm. Stand by Me. Uh, uh, Fire Um, you know, um, even Pet Cemetery was yeah, pretty good. Well, especially especially this last incarnation. Yeah. The one they the one they just did they they really captured the book. Okay, I haven't uh, seen the second one yet, so 
I'll have to look at that. Yeah. Well, there was one they made, what, 89? Right. right. And it was and, okay. Yeah. Yeah. One with Fred I Gwynn. Firestarter, actually. Yeah, Firestarter. I forgot was, about Firestarter. Yeah. That was all right. Fred Gwynn was I awesome. Mean, I'm not saying a 10, but it was good. I liked it. And, you know, yeah. Well, Stephen King's uh -huh. interesting because uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, he, he had equal parts in um, movies, you uh -huh. know, uh, theatrical releases. Right. But I remember a lot of his things were interpreted for TV, television movies where yes. they were allowed to really mm -hmm. expand and make it, you yes. know, yes. Yeah. He writes Salem's Lot. Lot. I remember that was a TV miniseries back in like Which the one? 70s. Yeah. Salem's, Salem's Lot. Oh, yeah. Salem's, Salem's Lot with yeah. David Soul. And yeah. I would argue this recent thing that Jason Bateman did uh, that produced um, uh, The Outsider, uh, they did as an HBO miniseries and they got it. They yeah. absolutely captured that book yeah. and then took it to another level because the book, the ending is, is it's good. It's, it's really good, but they made the ending even better. Really? Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it, it was Richard Price, the, the writer um, who, in, who uh, adapted that, that, that book into, those, uh, in, into the scripts and he did a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so the, uh, one of the things that I noticed about the book is that the juxtaposition of current, you know, 2021 against 1946, mm -hmm. 2000, you know, without giving away too much, the modern um, theater of the book uh, mm -hmm. was, you know, depicts the violence and the, you know, the advances School in technology. Shootings. And the protagonist, Evan, his name is Evan. Evan West. Evan West yeah. is very much tired of uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, what's going on in America at the time. And one of his, uh, a trailer for a project he's working on got into the hands of a figure. And that mm -hmm. character's name was... His boss, something Connor? No. No, oh. Martin Thomas Huckabee, I think, was... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, young guy oh, that yeah. was inspired. He saw the trailer and was inspired by it. Get his yeah, inspired by it to go in and shoot up a school. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah. I thought it was released. It was probably released on YouTube or something. Okay. He saw it. Okay. okay. He saw the trailer. Yeah, but, saw the trailer. But anyway, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm curious about. Um, Required. Uh, Meyer bickering between the spouses for some of our special listeners. The protagonist was a trailer editor. That's right. Movie trailer editor. Working on Raleigh Studios, which right. right across from the street from Paramount. Yeah, what we did is we tried Melrose. to. Yes, yeah, since I've been in the business, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been in the business for like 34 years. Uh, uh, Reinhard, gosh, almost 30 or maybe, I don't know, but a long time. And yeah. uh, so we, we kind of been here a long time. So we, we utilize real places, real things uh, that, that we would connect with, but other people that are in the industry would definitely know what we're talking about. But you don't have to be in the Hollywood industry to uh, still appreciate the stuff we're talking about because you get a little no, glimpse uh, of how things work. Yeah. And and we get the, it, it does feel like it has a familiarity with the, the industry without Definitely. us having any real knowledge of the industry. I mean, Philip's IT and I'm uh, in medical records. So we have no film, you know, history. Yeah. We, we, we go to the theater a lot. But, yeah. you know, we're still moviegoers. We do enjoy, we love going to movies. 
Yeah. And yeah. I was going to say, Reinhardt could probably uh, elaborate on this a little more, but we had taught as we were, we would get together about every week and a half and have meetings and about, you know, where we want the book to go and the backstories of everybody. And we were just both kind of talking about social media, you know, and Twitter and this and that. And, and, you know, during the lockdown and during the, um, the cancel mm-hmm. culture phase. So Reinhardt, why don't you talk about that? Cause we definitely put that kind of stuff in there on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, uh, Evan is a man of the past. You know, he yeah. dresses like it's still the 1940s. Right. He drives an antique car. You know, he, he prefers to live life outside of the um, of, of the uh, the background noise of social media. And he lives for the movies. You know, he's, he's almost in, in some ways he's a purist. And um, uh, I, I don't know, Doug and I were just talking about there's so many uh, uh, societal ills that can be pinned on social media whether it's body dysmorphia, whether it's depression, fear of missing out, um, uh, political rage. Um, because, you know, anytime you go to the reader's comments of any article, people start bickering and, and they make personal attacks really ugly because they're, they're hiding behind a keyboard and a screen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think most people would ever behave that way if they were face to face. I had, a, I had a line we, highlighted from the book, uh, whatever went wrong between 1946 and 2021 had been profound, and it wasn't lost on him that the United States, in his time, had become an empire in sharp decline. Mm. Yeah, I, you know what? You know what inspired that line? I found on, well, Doug, I think either Doug sent it to me or someone else. Uh, uh, someone had driven from Wilshire Boulevard in L.A. Uh, west. So all the way from central LA all the way out to uh, Santa Monica, and they just filmed it. No graffiti, no homeless people. Everything's very orderly and clean. Everything looks new. And man, when you go down that same pathway now, it does not look good. It's um, mm-hmm. it's homeless encampments, huh? and there's a lot of broken people out on the street. Um, yeah, uh, graffiti everywhere, and. Uh, I think that's what inspired that line because you know mm-hmm. look at 1946 and I mean in those in those videos everything looked pretty pristine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brand new. Yep. So he had definitely idealized this era. He was I guess somewhat like maybe you guys and that you know he uh, had a uh, idealization of what that time was like. So when he got there he embraced it, right? I mean he really Found mm-hmm. it refreshing. He said the food tasted better. The, you know, the, the cars were cooler. You know that. He just yeah. There's no uh, like, like the smell of the exhaust. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, he didn't. He didn't like the smell yeah, of the exhaust. He, he noticed did. there was a lot more exhaust though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things he noticed is the past tastes better, but it sure does stink. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and Reinhardt really. Uh huh. Go, uh, go, go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say some kind of like somebody dreaming going back to the days of like uh the uh the royalty and like queen elizabeth or something you know yeah um, yeah <laughs> so if, if he'd have been uh, in you know 60s attire and a 60s car would he have ended up in the 60s kind of thing i mean how much did he manifest where he went based on his lifestyle yeah yeah that's that i mean that's yeah, it's interesting. I, I, he could have been if, if he was like really into Jefferson Airplane and, and yeah, 
Um, you know, all the yeah. bands. Got the Seagulls haircut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the Moody Blues. He was into the fifties. What he ended up in the fifties yeah. or whatever. Yeah, poodle yeah. skirts. Huh. Right. That's, interesting. That's interesting, Aaron. Yeah, yeah that, that is interesting. Now, the 40s was, was the decade that I picked. Uh, I didn't have a certain date, a certain year. But then when I th thought about it, I, I picked 46, as I told you, because it's when I, life was made right. in the summer of 46. And also, uh, being a World War II history buff, I thought that would be an interesting period right after World War II of all the servicemen coming back. Uh, Hollywood was still pumping out movies, but now uh, all the actors are back and people. I just thought that would be an interesting time. So that's that's why that was picked that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and take a break right here for a sponsor, mm -hmm. and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about 1946. Well, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. What is it you want, Barry? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Frank Capra never intended it for it to be a Christmas movie because it was supposed to be released uh, at the beginning of the next year. And and the movie Sinbad the Sailor wasn't quite ready. So they came to Frank Capra and they said, get your movie ready. <laughs> and so <laughs> he rapidly put it together and it was released at the Globe Theater in New York City on December the 20th. So that was a little late for Christmas, but like I say, you know, they they did a beautiful job of getting it out there, and then it bombed. <laughs> More or less, it was not a hit. Excuse me! Have a hectic day? Oh, yeah, another big red letter day for the babies. I have vivid memories uh, of doing that film, working on the set. Don't remember much about off the set. Um, just remember getting up real early in the morning. It was dark and taking buses and streetcars out to Culver City uh, to do a day's work. Uh, but on the set, Capra would, you know, squat down eye to eye, tell me what he wanted me to do. And, and do I understand it? And I said, oh, yes, sir. And that's funny, four and a half years of age. And I remember so vividly. Any film that can evoke that kind of emotion in a lot of men means an awful lot in our hearts and really does touch our lives. And I think it impacts us in a way that we want to be like George and to learn what he learned. And we look at our lives and we say, oh, my gosh, I do have something positive here. And it just turns us around every year at Christmas time. And some people watch it all year long because it gives us such an optimistic view of, of what our lives can be. And we have the power to make that. We can make a difference and we can make things happen. Gee, but I don't remember it seeing in canvas or anything like that back in 84 and 85. Yeah. So. Where were you walking to school? Am I? Uh, am I? Yeah, I went there. Do you know about MI? Yeah, everybody in my building when I lived in Hollywood went to MI. There were yeah. Like bongo parties on the roof. I lived behind Hollywood High on Lanewood. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know where that is. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So you might know uh, people in common, maybe. We might, yeah. yeah. You're from Hollywood. You know Fred? 
might, you might have been on my roof in 92. Who knows? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. No, I was only there for, I, I mean, I lived in Hollywood for 10 years, but that was only a one-year school. So, uh, but yeah, it was a great, great. Uh, I remember that when I'd walk to school, there'd be, you know, <clears throat> in my, I'm from Montana, a small town. So we don't, you know, they don't have many movies made there. And I, I remember walking to school and they'd be shooting movies, you know, in, in a store right on Hollywood Boulevard. I remember James Durning was uh, there one time and I, I remember, you know, recognizing him. Um, mm -hmm. That happened quite often during the year. So anyway. Yeah. yeah, I was struck by, you know, it was strange to see a football team practicing right in, you know, right off of Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, what you know that's a famous high school i think judy uh, you might know that more reinhardt but judy garland and some famous people went to that school yeah. red hot chili peppers is that right wow yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy it did yeah. remind me a little bit of clifton a little mm -hmm. bit just a little bit except yeah. i mean so much more massive but, right yeah. right so clifton's the area around university of cincinnati and mi is musicians institute to back up on a couple things yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. in hollywood yeah well, let's uh, jump back into the book here. Reinhard. Okay. Uh, uh, let me ask my question that might or might not be a spoiler alert. Sure, okay. sure. Okay. Before we officially get back in. So this is kind of a, a like editing moment break. Yeah. One, yeah. Break. Okay. Um, does the other side have a time travel ability as well? I'm wondering if maybe the impetus to put negative scenes in It's a Wonderful Life uh, came from the future. Came and you mean Strick Strickler? Yeah. No, Strickler doesn't. Strickler just knows they want the movie made. But the people that wanted him to make that movie and put it in a time capsule. Oh, yeah, the sleazy guy he talked to. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so maybe that guy was actually from more like 2020, 2021. Um, oh. and, but I do not believe that uh, Evan's boss was in the know as far as that goes. I think he's more of a, I don't know. That's the impression I got that he doesn't know there's the ability of time travel, but it's this like maybe even crime syndicate who wants this kind of stuff. They figured out the time travel. They were able to go back in time. They thought, hey, let's put, you know, let, let's make a modern version, like a horror. It's a wonderful yeah. kind of a deal. No, to answer your question, no, that that was not part of it. Uh, Connor doesn't know anything about time travel. No, well, I knew Connor didn't. Yeah, and, and the guy back there, no, he's really from the past. The, right. the guy that he's talking to, yeah. That guy oh, okay. puts me so in mind of the, the boss from Barton Fink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Tony Shalhoub character. Yeah, uh -huh. Strickler was kind of an amalgamation of all these uh -huh. terrible stories that I have read about Jack Warner and Louis B. Mayer and Harry Cohn. And, really? and, 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 you know, I, I mean, they, they've been described as soulless. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever seen, uh, there was a wonderful thing that Ryan Murphy did on television about three years ago called Feud. And it was about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Yes. Making, Whatever happened yes. to Baby Jane. Mm -hmm. And in it, um, um, uh, uh, Stanley Tucci plays yeah. a very cruel Jack Warner. Yeah. And, and there's one line where he's talking with Bob Aldrich, who's played by Alfred Molina. And mm -hmm. he goes, uh, one of these days, one of these days, Bob, you're going to call me. And you know what? I'm going to take your call. And let me tell you why. You know why? Because I got a soft spot in my heart for losers. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and I, apparently a lot of people, I, I read this stuff online. They said, that was Jack Warner. 
He was just a very cruel man. He would find that one thing that you were insecure about. And I've heard the same of Harvey Weinstein. He would find that one thing you're insecure about, whether it's your hair or whether what it's your, if it's your religion or your height, and he would just mm-hmm. keep pounding on that because he would find yeah. it. And so Arthur Strickler was, you know, and also he's a hard man. He was a former Marine. president had a little of that in him too. Pardon? Our former president had a little of that in him too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Arthur Strickler was a, a, a Marine who saw bad things. He yeah. came back. He was betrayed by his uh, business partner. And I a mean, fellow soldier. Yeah. And, and he's. Marine, uh, which probably made it even worse. Yeah. And, and he saw himself as surrounded with enemies. Yeah. And, um, and like a lot of people that I've found in life who are that unhappy, they want to pull everybody into that maelstrom, yeah. into that whirlpool of unhappiness. And they kind of assume that everybody is. Yeah. They protect their own. There's a paranoia there. Their own personality and other people or their own tendencies. And it's a paranoia that's been supported by all the losses, by the betrayals. Mm -hmm. Uh, That answer, yeah, I was wondering about that character. It was a very striking character. He definitely had, you know, Mm -hmm. he wasn't just a disagreeable person. He had blood on his hands. Yeah. (laughs) He was was Mm -hmm. a pretty bad dude. Um, Yeah, that was good. If you, if I could mention one thing really quick, um, a little piece of trivia that, because going to back to your question earlier, is uh, the whole time capsule thing. That was uh, something that I did not originally, it was not my, uh, it was actually something that really happened, but I took a little creative license. But in real life, back in 1943, uh, mm-hmm. at the Chinese Theater, there was a movie called Mrs. Minivere with Greer Garson and Walter Pigeon. And uh, it, yeah, it was about, uh, you know, life in, in Britain during during the war. And right. um and so uh, when the, Greer Garson had gotten her hand and footprints uh, at the Chinese theater, uh, you know, they each would have get a big, a big block, you know, but above her block, it's right on the right side. It's the furthest one. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's nothing after that. And right above her block is a little square, like maybe about half a foot by half a foot. And mm-hmm. underneath that square is a time capsule. They dug it and they put some eight millimeter uh, or 16 millimeter films, uh, cans of the actual film and a, a movie script and some other trinkets from World War II in that time era. And they sealed oh, wow. it up. And so so that really did happen just in my research. And that's when I thought, you know what, I'm going to take that little part and and make that happen in in uh, the script. But it'll be It's right. Wonderful Life movie in there in, in 1946 rather than Mrs. Miniver. So that's kind of how we came up with that. Now, do you know if that's the only one? I mean... As far, well, at the Chinese theater, I, yeah, I don't know of any other uh, movies that they did that with except Mrs. Miniver, but there may be others, but I think that was kind of a singular situation, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny how that... Because that would be interesting. Like the intersection, those yeah. things from your... You just observe in life becomes part of your story, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. Reinhardt... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Reinhardt, I was wondering... Um, when you when you write character like when you write characters like Strickler, it's a composite character. You really have to develop the character and draw from different experiences and stuff. But then when you take characters like John Wayne, Frank Capra, Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, people that everybody you know the majority of people recognize, it, what kind of challenges does that present for a writer to make a a character that has depth and, and, and the same type of impact that a Strickler would. 
Well, it, it helps to know a little bit about them. I'm an avid reader, as Doug had said, and I have read, uh, uh, you know, Frank Capra's autobiography as well as books about him. And um, so I had an idea of what he was like. Um, uh, same thing with John Wayne. I've read biographies about John Wayne and, and heard anecdotes from people that I, I when I first came out here, I, I came out here to go to school and uh, at USC and, and um, you know, some of our professors directed John Wayne. So, you know, wow. I, I, would, I would listen to these stories and I'd remember, you know, and you just got to remember all this stuff and try to, yes, you have to meet expectations of what people think they're like. And at the same time, it's very important to um, meet those expectations and try to offer something new that people don't know, right. you know. And then John Wayne, that could be kind of dangerous. Well, you know, I recently read a book about uh, that crazy movie Howard Hughes produced in the 50s called The Conqueror, where he plays Genghis Khan. And, mm -hmm. and he's in this very uh, bizarre makeup. Yeah. With, with Susan Hayward. It's crazy. And, and it's all about how they got cancer. And um, uh, because there was a, a nuclear fallout had drifted over where they filmed it. And in that book, there were some incidents with Susan Hayward, who was uh, having a real problem with alcohol. That mm -hmm. uh, John Wayne's reaction to her was gentlemanly mm -hmm. and kind. Mm -hmm. He yeah. was not what you'd think. Um, he went out of his way to help her because she was a very desperately unhappy person. Mm -hmm. And so when I read that, I thought, you know what? I, I bet you, you know, you hear a lot of different views of John Wayne and I know he doesn't fit the current zeitgeist because of a, a Playboy interview from 1971. But mm -hmm. he certainly, um, you know, like all people, he had a lot of depth. Everyone has flaws. Yeah. Well, and well, kindnesses. Yeah, everybody, mm -hmm. everybody does have flaws. Mm -hmm. But I think his comments mm -hmm. were are more of an institutional type of uh, racism. You know, then uh, in his mind, he thought you know he, he was speaking freely. You know, he was yeah. well, and he sounded like a man born in 1908. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. So I mean, you do make certain allowances for your older family members. Yeah. But you know it's getting I mean, a little off the track but okay well <laughs> but i mean it, it does fit to the the right right well yeah the, i was just waiting the out. institutionalized problems with 1946 as far as coop was concerned right i mean coop, yes he was surrounded yes, by you know point. and uh uh just the the acceptability of racism at that point like when the, the scene Same where the, the party at John Wayne's mansion, I, I uh -huh. have to say that I did wonder for a moment there if he would, uh, if that know, would go a little bit off the grid and yeah. host things, party with a joke or something, you know. Yeah. But, um, mm -hmm. but, uh, anyway. but he was a bit character in this situation. Yeah. So but he I, wasn't, John yeah. Wayne is an extra. That's funny. I actually found the characters <laughs> like Dorothy Page, mm -hmm. Strickler, William mm -hmm. Cooper. The most compelling characters in the book. Robin know? Hood got her champagne. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Dorothy. Uh, it mm -hmm. seemed like Dorothy and Evan had a definite. Um, a connection that transcends time. Like they may have. Maybe they had known each other in another dimension. Or another mm -hmm. time. It yeah. Just kind of felt like it. Well, we know they did. Yeah. The question is how many. 
And that is for yeah. future books. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll write itself that. in future. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, yeah, Dorothy uh, was not made after any particular person, but when I had come up with that a character, mm -hmm. I just wanted to have a young girl, strong, independent girl with spunk. You know, unfortunately, she lost brains. her husband in the wars. Brains, a little mm -hmm. boy, and um, yeah. So, so that was the start. And then when Reinhardt came on board, we 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 gave a little more backstory. You know, since it was a novel, it was made yeah. from a movie script, which is 120 pages. You know, but a mm -hmm. novel, man, we had to double that, so we had a lot of space to uh, to uh, do some more backstory. We did that with Strickler. We did that with um, definitely with Evan, and we did it with uh, a little with Dorothy and. Um, and maybe uh, uh, that's a great question, I think, for for Reinhard. I've only written one script, which is what this is originally from. Reinhard's written many scripts. And, and I remember Reinhard and I talked and Reinhard said how much he was enjoying the process of writing a novel, because when you write a screenplay, you have certain uh, boundaries you have to stay in. Yeah. Maybe you can comment on that, Reinhard. Yeah, writing a screenplay is like trying to tell us it's like trying to run a 50 yard dash or 100 yard dash wearing armor, medieval <laughs> armor, because you are. Yeah. You had you were confined to three acts. You mm -hmm. cannot tell about characters. You have to show it. You have yeah. to keep dialogue. You know, dialogue should be used at a minimum. And when you do use it, it's got to be sharp and lively and and mm -hmm. enjoyable. And mm -hmm. um, that's always the challenge with movies because you can't go too long. Now, television now, especially the limited series format and mm -hmm. and and uh, uh, episodic TV. Yeah, you can draw things out. It's like an opera. You can draw uh -huh. things out right. and make it very, but very sometimes long. Sometimes you can draw them out too far. Yes. Yes. And that does happen. And you can tell uh -huh. the, the episodes where the writer, uh, the writers have, just don't have an idea. So they just keep the characters going in circles. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it was very liberating and maybe too much so because there was a, in our earlier drafts, I went so into Coop. <laughs> because yeah. I found him so deeply interesting. Um, yeah, he's fascinating. A, a black man in America who was born in the for, a former state of the Confederacy after the Civil War and who grew up in Harlem was an autodidact. He taught himself in the uh, New York Public Library and then um, ended up working with Nikola Tesla. I, I mean, like it was it was too much fun not to. I mean, I, I went way into things about <laughs> that um, when we when we, uh, you know, we first. Yeah, we were editing. It was like, oh, okay, okay, you've gone a little too far here uh, with Coop's character because I I went into the whole the migration from Tennessee to um, New York and and what prompted it and and what it was like in uh, Reconstruction South. Um, so you know, but but Coop and 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 Dorothy too. I think there was some stuff we pared back a little because you know she's. She's a woman who's faced great, great, great tragedy in her life mm -hmm. and is growing up in a time when opportunities are being opened up for women in mm -hmm. post-war America. They're limited, but... Because they, they, the, the opportunities during the war where you could go have a job and make money, which, yeah. you know, had not happened before right. to support the war effort. And, of course, when the men came home, they all lost their jobs. Not all, but a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and Dorothy at the same time was fun to write because she's such a great human being. She's a good yes. person. Yeah. yeah. Well, just imagine Coop's job resume. Yeah, I worked for <laughs> Tesla and Frank Capra. 
<laughs> not he's bad, yeah. Letter of recommendation. Yeah. yeah. He's the Doc Brown of the of this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the cool thing, the cool thing when we were doing this, and Reinhardt knows that history so much or so well. Mm-hmm. Uh again, we had to edit some of it back, but but the real life uh feud between uh Thomas Edison and Tesla. And uh, so Coop was around meeting some really interesting people to be alive yeah. during that part, during that time was really, really neat for his yeah. character. And, and his comments on uh, the, the need for cooperativeness in science versus, um, versus the enmity between Tesla and Edison. But I kind of have to wonder if maybe part of that enmity isn't jealousy of Edison over Tesla. I think a lot of that, yeah, there was some jealousy. Edison, his quote about Tesla, if I recall, is this guy thinks of science as art. Yeah. And um, to to Edison, science was profit. It was about money. It was about building something that would be permanent, but he wanted to make as much money as he could. And he kind of, he looked at Tesla as a dreamer who was unusually bright. Mm. Um, he certainly respected him, but I, I, um, yeah, that I, I had a lot of that there too. I, yeah, I, I, Edison that driven by money. Edison Tesla thing. Huh? Was Edison that driven by money? Well, success. It was about success, and it was about being on top, and it was about being king of the king of the king world. Number one. Yeah. And and you know his his best friend was Henry Ford at one time, and they were mm. very much alike. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, Ford had his own problems. I, I heard with their Playboy interview would, would reveal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he ordered parts for some of the first cars for the assembly line, he specified uh, the crate sizes and the places for the holes for the crates. And then parts of the crates were used in the construction of the vehicles because they were already ready to go. Oh, yeah, on the floorboard. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they had wooden floorboards. Yes. Yeah, that's, wow. that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. It seems like Tesla's mm-hmm. rallied because I remember when mm-hmm. I was a kid, Edison mm-hmm. was almost deified. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even know who Tesla was in high right. school. You know, they didn't really talk yeah. too much about him. But it, in recent years, all the engineers I know at work and they all idolize Tesla. You know? mm-hmm. As opposed to. Yeah. 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 And there isn't a um, hybrid car on the road called Edison. (laughs) That's right. Our power company in Southern California is called SoCal Edison. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. We're, I don't know, Duke Energy, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Six months. Doesn't matter. And well, I don't have. Uh, mm-hmm. Doug might be DWP. I'm not sure where he lives, but I'm in uh, Simi Valley. Uh, Who do I have? You're Edison uh, too. Yeah, I you're, right. you're just north of me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where are you at again? Uh, what, what's Thousand Oaks? Oto. Yeah, and then Reinhardt's not far from you. Also, he's over yeah. in Woodland Hills, I think, or Calabasas. I'm near the. I'm near the DMV. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, I know exactly where you are. Yeah. Off yeah. of Arbolus. Or is um, as, as the map software that says, Arbolus. Uh, 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 what is it? LD and uh, Will. The DMV. Right next to that yeah. restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we yeah had breakfast there at Jinkies. Yes. Jinkies. Oh yeah, Jinkies. Yeah, love that yeah, place. That was, that was really good. We're gonna start and doing excellent servers. I think we'll just start doing ads for Rock and Roll. Head. Yeah, I'm okay. about to say, what are they? What are yeah. they kicking us back for this? Episode? 
I'm, I'm really <laughs> kind of having trouble figuring out how to mention Weird Al in this episode. Ta-da! <laughs> you just did it. <laughs> it's a <laughs> little thing I do because we share a birth date. Yeah. Well, oh, very good, cool. I know, uh -huh. you, I, and, uh, Doug, I know you love music mm -hmm. and you're involved in music. And so if you ever, mm -hmm. you know, seriously, if you ever wanted to catch a good podcast about, it's good. you know, classic rock, rock and roll heaven. Well, and, and they only do, it's called rock and roll heaven because they only do deceased. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, artists. They do really deep dives. There was like a, a four-part Jim Croce that just finished and oh, now wow. they're in, the, yeah. in the middle of a Michael Jackson yeah. that's gonna go on for months. <laughs> they just drafted <laughs> who they're doing next year. The, the yeah. three co-hosts each, you know, have to do their own research. Sure. They they yeah. drive the show for for a yeah. few weeks there. But um yeah. it's it's fun, it's interesting. Cool. It's, and they're very good, they're very personable. Um, you know, it's, it's really, and the, in person, we met them in person when we were in California and, uh, you know, just terrific people. Yeah. Very right. homey, you know, yeah. I felt right at home having a lot of Kentucky relatives. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I feel like, I feel like that if we reveal too much more about the book, we will be spoiling it for people who need to go out. And yes, purchase. even more. Now, there are a couple things that um, were highlighted in Philip's questions. Um, what's this about Rich Little? Oh, you did a forward, right? Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can tell you about that. And then if you don't mind, could I just mention the website in case people want to look, you know, oh, find yeah, out a little more about it? Oh, yeah, that's what we do at the end of the podcast. Oh, at the end. Oh, good. Okay, great. Um uh, so Rich Little, yeah. So I met Rich about seven years ago. A mutual friend, my friend Bill Chatfield, is good friends with him, and he was—he's from Dallas. He said, "Hey, I'm going to be up in Vegas. Rich lives in Vegas. Go see his show. Come and uh, join me for a couple of days." So I went and I went to Rich's show. Had dinner with him a couple of times nights after the show, and then uh, fast forward about two years ago, five years from then, uh, I did a movie that Rich was one of the actors in. So I uh, got to see Rich and I, I picked him up a few times uh, uh, during that week that he was on the show and brought him to the set. So, um, you know, and I've always loved Rich Little growing up. I, I've always loved imp impersonators. So I remember seeing Rich on, you know, all those Dean Martin roasts and stuff and uh, well, always loved him. So too. what's that? I, he worked clean in the beginning. Yeah, he, he was pretty clean. Yeah. So, so it's pretty neat for me to have got to meet uh rich and also be friends with him and yeah. and so yeah he was nice enough to uh to take the book and give us that nice endorsement so nice blurb hollywood legend yeah, yeah he is he really is I love, yeah i love this carson and his jimmy stewart <laughs> i just uh, 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 jim i i um i i uh, i just uh, i feel i i i what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> you, you know, the, 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 the other day, I was driving on the Ventura Freeway in Los Angeles, very well-known freeway, and I, 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 I was just, just driving along, and my cell phone went off. And I, I picked it up, and it was my wife, Gloria, calling. And Gloria said, Jim, are, are you driving on the Ventura Freeway? I said, yeah, Gloria, I'm, I'm, I'm driving on the Ventura right now. Why? She said, I just heard over the radio, there's a car going the wrong way on the Ventura Freeway. I said, Gloria, a car? Jesus, there's hundreds of them going the wrong way. 
and, and they seem to recognize me. They, they keep yelling at me, and I just keep waving at them. This Carson was really good because he had yeah. his mannerisms, yeah. facial expressions, and everything. He was good with Nixon and Carson, and uh, well, he did so many good people. He yeah, he was one of the best. Was, yeah, his impressions. Yeah. I yeah, mean, a lot the of only person I can really compare him with would be to that to right now today would be maybe Kate McKinnon. Okay, yeah, but yeah. she. He goes a little further into the parody of it. Yeah. At least in general. A lot of people also when they use a lot of makeup too. Yeah, true. She's not doing the the right. Yeah. Just well, really I mean, she is a woman doing men, so impressionist you know. is this out there in his suit? You right. know, he's changing. Yeah. It's all based on his his his, his and, yeah. And now yeah. yeah. Um, the other question that Philip had on here that I had um uh. uh Okay. You're going to say something, Doug. Was oh, I was just going to say regarding Rich Little, you know, when 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 whenever Rich's name is mentioned, a lot of people say, "Is he still alive?" And because yeah. uh, they when they think of Rich Little, they think of you know him being on those Dean Martin roasts, you know, and he was friends with Bob Hope and Sinatra and Johnny Carson, all those guys. So a lot of people thought he was around the same age, and Rich was actually about 20 years younger than those guys. So they're all, uh, you know, 15 years younger, 20 years. So those guys are all deceased and Rich is like maybe 83. So he's, uh, that's why he's still around. He was a lot younger than those guys, but he was contemporaries with them. Yeah. And you see, for me, Rich Little always looked, uh, kind of a Steve Martin thing. Yeah. Where from a certain age, he kind of looked almost like forties, even though he yeah. was younger. And yeah, Steve still Martin looks good. looked, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. I yeah. mean, he, you know, he was one of those people who looked a little bit older when they were younger. And, and it was one of those things where was he, was he 30? Was he 50? Yeah. And it turns out he's 25. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You mentioned John Wayne, 1908. You know, I uh -huh. remember when, when I was, you know, I'm 53 years old. I remember yeah. these guys coming on, you know, mm -hmm. Johnny Carson and uh, yeah. Mike Douglas mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And, and yeah. yeah, so my great grandparents. Or no, my grandparents were born in like 1908 and 1909. Yeah, I'm not so, sure. you know, my dad's parents and my dad was older when he had me because he didn't, I wasn't born until after he came back from Korea. There's all reruns. A few years. There's all reruns of so. Dick Cavett that Aaron's been watching and the Carson mm -hmm. uh, reruns that go on MeTV. Yeah. Those are all really cool because it, it, yeah. yeah. it brings all yeah. these guys back to life. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you had a question? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the things that Philip flagged was um, his uh, fascination with alternate reality um, historical stories such as Harold Turtle Dove, Harry Black, Harry Turtle Dove does. He does like alternate reality, like what if someone went back in the future and brought uh, machine guns to the South? Right. Um, like Abraham Lincoln vampire. Yeah, like, that was a great movie. Yeah. Great movie. That's not Harry I read Turtle the book, Dove, didn't see the movie. This is more Harry Turtle Dove takes real, quote unquote, real history, and he gives them better guns. I kind of sign off when it comes to yeah. vampires. Okay, mind. yeah. Uh. <laughs> but yeah. one of Philip's questions is, how much um, do you know if there was a lot of uh, studio executive? Uh, yeah, that, that was kind of answered. Jack Warner yeah. and. Um, you mentioned two other names, right? Yeah. Terry Cohen. Harry Cohen. Harry Cohen. And, uh, Louis B. Mayer. Yeah. Did they try to mess with the film or did they leave Capra alone? 
Well, uh, Cohen, Capri used to work with Cohen, and uh, I think they over long they got along okay, but they definitely had their 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 uh, feuds mm-hmm. <coughs> on certain things. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess Capri did work with uh, with Jack Warner maybe on Arsenic and Lace. That was a Warner Brothers film. Oh, I love which, that movie. Which was made in '41, you know, and then they shelved it for four years. And they never played it till after the war. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't know why that was. Do you, you know why that was, Reinhard? Why they made that? They made it in forty or forty-one, but then oh, it never. I, yeah, I don't know. Never was released till four years later. Okay. So what? There never was a the George Bailey rampage. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight marks an historic, not to say unique, moment in the history of both television and cinema. After a search of nearly forty years, the fabled lost ending to Frank Capra's nineteen forty-seven film "It's a Wonderful Life" has been found. evening they didn't ask any questions all they said was if george bailey needs help we're here to help him oh oh mary mary i never realized i had so many friends oh mary hello welcome home mary merry christmas george now wait a minute everybody i've got a telegram here i want to read from london dear george stop mr gower cables you need cash stop my office instructed to advance you up to eight thousand dollars. Oh, Stop! Oh, Yeehaw! And Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright! <laughs> I remembered. I remembered what I did with the money—the eight thousand dollars. Well, that's great. That's great, Uncle Billy. Well, what what'd you do with it? I was in the bank. I had it in a newspaper. I remember giving it to someone. Well, who, who'd you give it to? Oh. No, wait. Now, I just called Clarence at the bank. He told me that old man Potter deposited exactly $8,000 right after I left. It was him! Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go get it! Say where you are, George Bailey. You're in enough trouble already. You made one mistake, Mr. Potter. You're double-crossed me and you left me alive. Now, wait just a second. I'll give you the money back. I don't want the money. I want a piece of you, Potter. so hard at this. Love it. Yeah. Love well, it. that's the funny thing. You can, it's kind of hard to think of George doing that, but that's why it is funny to, yeah. Right. That's why I, I don't want to spoil is that particular. Doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like he says, he compares him to Tom Hanks, which I, I get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see yeah. That. That's definitely, yeah. I see that connection. But yeah. And they, then, that's that's a common comparison. Yeah. They yep. always, yeah. Say Tom Hanks is the new Jimmy Stewart. That's, or, yeah. You hear that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of our actors that are working now have a counterpart in older movies because right. I'm convinced that Liam Neeson is 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 now our John Wayne. Yeah. Um, Jason Statham is Charles Bronson. Yeah. You know the 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 uh, the the hard man that's that's thrown into a situation where he has to react violently. Yeah. Um, Clint Eastwood um, is Clint Eastwood. Pardon. 
Clint Eastwood, is Clint, Eastwood is Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is still around, right? Yeah. yeah. Still, yeah but, still just but Craig is no Sean Connery. No. <laughs> let's let's no. get that out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah. So Aaron, do you have any? I, I don't. I think we've gone through our questions. Aaron, do you have any anything to add or any? Um, I think I tossed most of what I had out there. I, okay. I love the Fist of Kong line too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fist of calm. <laughs> Reinhardt's laughing. It must be yeah. his. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Sometimes now, I get carried away. Yeah. yeah. Now, my last question. My is, youngest son is a huge Godzilla and Japan. He's, yeah. he's taught himself Japanese for that matter. Wow. Wow. Yeah. My kids and are homeschooled. homeschooled Japanese. But oh. <clears throat> all Aaron's um, children are homeschooled. Yeah, he's big into he's big into Godzilla and Kong. And as soon as I saw Fist of Kong, I was tickled. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one. He taught me the word what the word cannon meant. Yes. Other than you know, like a hurtling ball through the oh. air to fix down. C a n o n. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when he visited, mm -hmm. he used that word a lot. A lot talking <laughs> about his Godzilla. Yeah. You know uh, what's what's canon to the Showa era and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. very, very scholarly about. It. I mean, he's steeped in the tradition of Godzilla. Yeah, but okay. do, so we'll close um, with uh, asking both of you individually. Do you have any projects you want to promote? Or uh, any? My question first. Oh, okay. Sure. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you would have expected, or that you would have wanted us to ask? Uh, no, I think you guys, your questions were good. I think we covered a lot of stuff. Um, I, and again, I'm just happy you guys got a chance to read the book. So you really know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. And that, that's really neat. Forward to more books. No yeah, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're starting. We're, I'm doing yeah. research right now, reading a few books and uh, we'll start uh, February, January, February. We'll start on book two. So um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then the website is hollywoodtimetravel.com if people want to mm -hmm. go and learn more about it uh there you know there's a synopsis on their book trailer some pictures and a little video i put together on what it was what 1946 hollywood look, looked like i didn't produce it but i found it on youtube and i edited it down and uh just to kind of give a little idea of wh where the people would be going when they read the book but so yeah hollywoodtimetravel.com and you can buy the book on amazon uh, either by going to amazon or just going to the website and it'll it'll take you there and uh new projects for me i just i have a tv current a car a tv show on film and tv cars that I'm working on, and that's about it right now. And uh, Reinhard, what are you up to? Um, he, uh, a, a script that I was a co-writer on uh, about the Patty Hearst kidnapping in mm -hmm. 1974 called Ms. Moon. Uh, there, it looks like it's cast now, and uh, they're moving forward with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, interesting cast as well. And then the script I wrote about the murder in Texas, murders in Texas, um, uh, involving the oil billionaire Cullen Davis is with a, a new group of producers and I recently rewrote it for them and that's moving forward as well. Okay. Cool. So th those are those are pretty exciting. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Now we have no reason to actually stay for the credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to stay for the credits just in case, even if it's not a movie that would normally have outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> My company's name's right at the end of the credits, usually, so I gotta wait. Well, I, yeah. I should say, 
one of one of the advantages of being able to do video on Spotify mm -hmm. now is that I can go ahead and put, you know, I can go ahead and put your your links and things like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. On the yeah. video so that mm -hmm. it can be ever present. So, yeah, uh, Reinhardt, are there any socials that you want to share? So, uh, socials? Uh, yeah. You know, like websites or anything? Nah, Twitter handle. Nah. Okay. No, Reinhard, all good. Reinhardt's a little bit back yeah. in 1946. Honestly, so. yeah. Podcast. <laughs> Philip made me. I, I've never used it, but he made <clears throat> Twitter because of the podcast. Yeah. And all of our socials are the same. It's yeah, uh -huh, pod, whatever. Um, right. Yeah. So I uh, I did uh -huh. notice you did a story about uh, you were involved in a project about Linda Kasabian. That, that was interesting. Yes, Moonchild. Moonchild. Yeah, that that came close a couple of years ago. That came very, very close. And then uh, COVID came along and there, right. there it went. Yeah, the man, the, that was one of the funnest uh, projects I've ever been involved with. And the director, I'm working with him on some other things right now, some uh, two horror movies. His name is mm -hmm. Marcus Nispel, and he probably one of the most inspirational directors I've ever worked with. What's really, his name uh, again? pardon? His name again? Marcus Nispel. Nispel. Okay. Cool. Well, I think uh, I think that's I a think, wrap. Yeah. Hey, listeners, <laughs> it's Lisa and Phil from Yeah. Uh huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have social. Twitter. Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. Notice, Notice a, a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.